Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Connected Parenting. And today, I really wanted to focus on um, an issue that I think is really important, and that's healthy adversity. And I'm going to tie it into back to school, um, but I want you to really stretch and think about all the different ways that this is um, important in your child's life. So for those of you who know my work, you know that I've talked about this before, that the contrast in life, the contours, you know, not big traumas, obviously, and really terrifying things. Uh, Nobody (laughs) wants that to happen. But, you know, some of the smaller things that are just difficult and seem really big, the more your child learns that he can have an experience that feels really painful or difficult, or she can be part of something that seems impossible and that she'll never feel better, and then they do, the more they're learning. And figuring those things out when they're children is the time to do it. That's what childhood is about. So through play and, you know, at recess when this one doesn't want to play with that one and this one says you're being too bossy and all of that stuff is happening, even in the teen years where teenagers are learning about relationships and how do I text somebody too much and if I don't text them enough, do I seem like I'm... Um, ghosting them and all of this stuff that they're trying to figure out that's what childhood and adolescence is for it's to figure out who you are who you want to be how to relate to other people in the best possible way um, and then how to fit in with your community in a way that you still honor yourself and that's no easy feat but that's really what childhood is about So when we remove healthy adversity, when we take away experiences that your child can have that they can learn from, we're actually putting them at a disadvantage. And the brain uh, grows um, and makes connections based on experiences. So if a brain only has perfect, easy experiences, well, that may be lovely, but there's no neurological hardware there. There's no programming there. There's There's nothing there to physically help that person handle adversity or trouble when it comes. And trouble always comes. And sometimes, well, maybe not even sometimes, when you remove every obstacle, every bump from your child's life, which we do because we love our kids and we don't like to see them sad and we don't like to see them hurt. It's painful for us. But when we remove all of those things, all we're really doing is delaying the brain learning that lesson. And the older children are, the bigger the lesson, the tougher the lesson and the more painful the lesson. So what's really important as a parent, especially if you're a parent of of younger kids, is to um, practice what I call widening the lens, right? Pull the lens back and really think, okay, in this moment, my child not getting invited to that birthday party really hurts and it's really hard. But if I pan back, A, they're probably not gonna remember it in a few months certainly not when they're older, but what they will have learned is that something can feel really hard, really sad, really painful. It can feel like you're never going to get over it. And then you do and you can. And that 
is resilience, right? That's really important. So balancing, um, you know, safety and your child having, you know, a, a nice childhood, but with, with a certain amount of healthy adversity is actually a really good formula for a successful, well-balanced adult. You cannot have happiness without sadness. You cannot have success without failure. It, it, they're just two ends of the same stick. And one of the things that we, we spend a lot of time doing in our culture is avoiding feelings, avoiding them, drinking something, smoking something, watching something, buying something, um, distracting ourselves uh, from feeling what we're feeling. But feelings are information. Feelings uh, really are just energy. And if you ignore them, they grow because they're self-preservatory, because they're trying to tell us something. Um, and when you ignore the feeling, you're ignoring the information. So I want you to think of feelings and talk to your kids about this. Have these conversations. Talk out loud about this. You know, feelings are not bad. They are information. And some feelings feel wonderful and some feelings don't feel wonderful and some feelings feel terrible, but they're all information and we can use that information to make decisions and to learn important things. So one of the things we do as parents with our kids is the minute our child is upset, we rush in and fix it, or we buy them that thing, or we shove an iPad in their face, or we do something externally to soothe and solve the problem, which I'm not saying you can't do some of the time, just don't do it all of the time, or um, be present with the feeling first and really feel it and examine it and note it before you soothe it. And this is really important. This is important for healthy childhood. It's important for emotional resilience. It's, it's essential to having a healthy, balanced brain. So these are conversations you can have in front of your child about feelings, but we also have to do this ourselves. So I want you to wear two hats as we're talking about this. One is how to teach this and we, we uh, children learn by example. So we are leading them as we uh, experiment with this. We're teaching them because they're watching us. And then the other is really taking this on as a human being, just really taking this on yourself because the bonus to that is you'll feel better. Your anxiety will be better. Your worrying will be down. Um, you won't be as irritable or quick to anger. These are really important things to know about how to control your feelings so your feelings don't control you. So they're all crying because their best friends are not in their class or all their best friends are in the other class and they're stuck in a different class. Um, and those are really big feelings. Now, as a parent, it is so hard to watch our child suffer. We don't want to see them upset. It breaks our heart. We, we feel it. We would rather feel it than have them feel it. So it is overwhelming. So there's another layer to that that you have to be really aware of. It's that mama bear and papa bear just wanting to protect your child and feeling so much for them and just wanting to be able to make it better. And, and you have to balance that because sometimes we can make it better, but they have to learn that it can get better and that they can make it better. And those are really important skills for life. So you really have to be aware of that balance. But so this is a time of year where parents you know, get on the phone with the principal. This is ridiculous. My child, is, how could you do this? My child is alone in their class. Um, and this uh, year especially, there's really no movement. It's, it's taken so much coordination and organization and energy on the behalf, you know, on, on the school's uh, side to create these classrooms. It's, you're not going to be able to please everyone. And it's just even more 
complicated than it normally is. So it's people are you know running up against that wall and finding that it's not really helping. So there's a few things that you really have to think about with any kind of news like this, whether it's a child not making a team or getting a part in the play or not getting invited to something, it's all the same. But it's just panning back that lens and not reacting with scarcity. So when you start to panic and your child tells you, I'm not in the closet with my friends and you get overwhelmed with all of your deep emotions that you feel in this moment, all over your face is a look of panic. Um, and then the way that we speak to our kids, what do you mean? And well, don't you have any other friends? And how did that happen? And as we speak out loud about the things that we're worried about and respond from a place of fear, not love, our child is watching us. Children watch us. We, they gauge their responses based on ours. So if we're freaking out, they were already upset. Now they're looking at us and going, well, pff, this is worse than I thought. Look at my mom. She's in such a state or look at my dad or listen to the conversation that they're happening. So you need to be very aware of the look on your face, the tone in your voice, and whether you are lined up with love in that moment or fear. So if you're lined up with fear and scarcity, this is terrible. The whole year's shot. You know, this is, he had a terrible year last year too, and this is unfair. And when you go into that scarcity mode, your own frontal lobe is going to panic. It's not going to understand. This is just about your child's class. It's going to think something really terrible is happening out there. Something's chasing you. Something's attacking you. You're going to go into fight or flight mode. Your frontal lobe is going to shut off. You're going to start reacting instead of responding and your child is watching this whole thing happening so his levels or her levels of anxiety adrenaline cortisol are going to start to match yours so it's really important to ground yourself and the way that we do that is by going neutral by going general in this moment this seems insurmountable it seems really hard it seems like my child is going to be devastated but think just file through and think how many other times have you thought that it's turned out okay, or they barely remember it. Just don't let your brain go to this place um, that it's so huge, it's so insurmountable that you're not you're not going to get past it as a family. And and you'll know that later. It's just in that moment you want to make sure that's not what you're um, broadcasting to everyone in your family because not just the child that this is happening to, the other kids are watching. And they start thinking, oh my gosh, what if I don't get into class with my friends next year? This is clearly a very terrible thing that's happening. So we're teaching all of our children, not just the child that we're worried about in that moment. So pan back the lens. In, in a week or two, they're probably going to be fine. This has happened before and they're okay. Um, this is an opportunity for them to learn that something can seem really difficult and impossible. And if I fix this right now, I'm going to rob them of an opportunity to learn that really important lesson. So just pan back, that really helps. And if you're talking to your spouse and they're going deep into the kind of minutia of it and getting into that scarcity mindset, you know, in it first mirror and be really gentle and kind first about how you know overwhelming that can be, but also speak that out loud. But you know what, this could also be an opportunity because we can go through life as a victim or we can go through life as a learner. And these are the times where we actually start to teach our children that. We learn from things that don't go well. We learn from negative experiences. We build on that and create um, this resilience and this wisdom that can only come from learning about um, all of these different aspects of life and from experiencing this contrast. And how, I always say this to, to kids too, and you can say this to your children, like, would you play a video game where you beat everybody all the time and nobody was even close 
and it was so easy. You would be so bored of that game in such a short time. What makes the game fun is losing sometimes and having a really difficult time beating a certain level. And that is a really important lesson. So anchor it to things. So pan back, widen the lens with your child and line up with love, not fear, right? So if you line up with fear, you're going to line up with scarcity and this is terrible. And how could this be happening? And this happened to him last year. And you know, he's in such a state, this is going to make things so much worse. And if that's the dialogue in our head, that's going to get transmuted, uh, translated to our child and our own body is going to pick up on that. But if you actually take a second and say, okay, on the surface, this looks terrible. I'm going to feel it for a second. I'm going to register that for a second. And then I'm going to think about, I'm going to pan the lens back and think about how can this help my child in the future? How can we make this a learning opportunity? How can we make this something that they will look back on and see, wow, I was able to do that. So first step as always with connected parenting. And if you're familiar with my work, it's mirror and use the calm technique first. So for a reminder, or if you're new to connected parenting and you're just listening to this episode, go back to episodes one to three of the podcast. This is why I have an online course. This is the method. This is the work. This is the medicine. So learning how to speak to your children um, or anyone, by the way, not just your kids, um, in this beautiful connected way releases oxytocin, which is a really powerful uh, hormone slash neurotransmitter that does all kinds of wonderful things in the brain. It speeds up neuroplasticity. It strengthens the immune system. Uh, it blocks cortisol. You get the same bounce back. So your own brain gets that beautiful, uh, get the, gets the beautiful benefits as well. And so that's learning to use language and conversation, deep connected conversation as medicine, which ultimately builds uh, emotional resilience and emotional organization. So go back and listen to those either for a refresher or to find out what I'm talking about. And if you want to dive deeper into the method, then you can go to connectedparenting.com and find out more about the, um, the parenting course. And we've got an amazing community of people from all over the world who are working on this technique and helping each other. And it's actually quite amazing. And I'm really proud of it. It's a pretty awesome thing to be part of. So your child comes home and tells you and is bawling or she's bawling her eyes out. It's going to be the worst year ever. I'm not with my friends. All of my friends are in the other class. I'm all by myself. The kids that I'm with are weird, whatever they're saying to you. Step one is to ground yourself in a place of love, not fear, and meet them where they are. So with, with connection, with love, be brave enough to go right into that sadness that they're feeling. So, uh, you know, what I was saying a, a few minutes ago, and I want to really um, reiterate this, is we, we live in a culture that's obsessed with not feeling. So we need to teach our children that it's okay to feel those feelings. So we also find it painful. So we want to cheer them up and we want to tell them all the reasons why it's going to be okay. And we want to tell them that we're going to get on the phone with the principal and fix it. But don't do that. In that moment, just sit with them, hold their hand, look in their eyes, hear them, listen to them, really let them tell you what they're feeling. This, this requires a lot of emotional strength and bravery because you have to be able to love your child enough in that moment and trust yourself enough and trust them enough that you can stay in this place without yanking them out of it too quickly. So you sit there, you hold their hands, you look in their eyes and they're saying, oh, my friends are in the other class and they're going to be playing and I'm not going to know what's going on. And you look at them 
and you look right in their eyes and you say, you know, that's so hard. And you didn't even expect this to happen. You were sure you were going to be with one kid. I know. And now I'm not with anybody. And that's right. You just said to me a minute ago, you're going to watch them all playing in their little pods at recess and you're going to be in yours looking over at them. Like, I know it sounds so counterintuitive. It's like, why would I say that? It's going to make them feel worse. And it, it really learn how to use the calm technique because I break it down how to help you make decisions about what you say and how you say it. But the truth is you're hearing them. You're present with them in that moment. They're feeling listened to. They're feeling heard they're getting it out and you're right there with them when you do that they won't stay there very long like really like a few sentences a few statements and then very quickly they'll say well so-and-so's in my class and they're not so bad or do you think you could call the principal or they'll they'll move into or did this happen to you when you were little they'll they'll give you a clue when they're ready to move on to the next part of the conversation which is where you figure out how to do how to handle it and what to do So step one is you have to mirror. The second part is then you have to give them message of competence. So after they have told you how they're feeling and you've made your decision um, about how you're going to handle it. So, and usually, especially this time of year, going and promising your child that you're going to be able to move classes is not going to happen. And nor should you necessarily promise them that. I will tell you after doing this job for 30 years, 30 years of back to schools, plus my own kids who are now 26, 24 and 16, is I've seen my own kids go through this and they're devastated. And two days later, they don't care. They're fine. They're not even playing with that other kid. Children's um, relationships are quite fluid and they're meant to be so that children can experience all kinds of different relationships and all kinds of different people. So I promise you, it, most of the time, they get over it pretty quickly, faster than us sometimes. So no, I would not be promising to move. You could say, I'm going to call the principal and find out more about what the school was thinking. So for example, I had a client this morning where the school, um, the parents called the school and they're, they're, they're lovely people and they were quite reasonable and weren't actually expecting the, the principal to move their daughter, but really felt better after the conversation because the principal explained that their daughter is a leader and that she's pretty strong socially and there were I don't know all kinds of complicated reasons why the other friends couldn't be with each other I I don't know I don't remember all the details but at the end of the day it was really about placing this child in a classroom where she could be a leader and that the uh, I think the other reason too was that the kids were quite creative and this child is very very creative so sometimes once you know the thinking behind it that can really help and that can also help your child Um, So that's a piece of it. And then the other part that's really important is the message of competence. I believe in you. I know that you're strong enough to do this. I've seen you get through things before. And then you can remind them, remember the time when you didn't get invited to that party or you didn't make the team or whatever it is, you know, go through that library of experiences where you know they overcame things and reassure them that that, that this will be one of those things. And, and they won't want to hear that. They'll go right back into, no, you don't understand. And then you go right back into mirroring. And there could be a couple of nights of that. There could be a few days of that. Each time it gets easier and easier, you're now feeling comfortable and confident because you're using the, the technique that's actually going to help them. Um, and that will help them move through it. So the, the key things here are around feeling. So this is a conversation I want you to have with your child. And also I want you to do this, what I'm, what I'm going to explain next. Feelings need to be felt, especially, uh, well, no, all feelings, anger, anxiety, they're, they're, they're information. 
their energy, their information. And so when you have the feeling, so let's say your child came home, they said that, and you're also overwhelmed. You go right into panic mode for them, for their learning. You wanted them to have a good experience. They had a terrible time last year, whatever it brings up in you. This is also where some of your own childhood issues around being left out, neglected, um, not making a team, whatever can come up for you, whether they're just regular kind of normal childhood issues or deeper traumas, they're going to come up here. And that's why it's so important to understand, um, you know, is this, is this bringing up stuff that's happened in my life? Am I coloring this experience with my child with my own fears? And it's really important to be aware of that and to try whenever possible to keep that separate. I'll have a different podcast about that, but that's, that's a really important thing. Um, and that's why if you line up with love, that will correct that. Is this what my child needs to hear in this moment? Is this going to be um, important for them big picture? Am I reacting from fear or am I responding with love? And as long as you check in with yourself and you're responding from love, it'll guide you in the right direction and you'll know because you'll feel it in your body. So when your child tells you this and you panic, you literally digest it. You feel it and you say to yourself, okay, this is, this is energy. This is information. And this information is telling me something and I need to use my frontal lobe to filter through that information because there is nothing in front of me that's going to attack me. There's nothing that's actually life-threatening here. Um, so I need to kind of register where the source of that information is coming from. Feel it. Read it. Just like a computer. Decode it. Read it. Then register it. Ah, this is what it feels like to be a parent and love your child so much and want the best for them and just see that they get this really disappointing news. And I'm just, this is what it feels like to be, you know, heartbroken in this moment for my child. Let yourself feel it, right? And then when you've done that, it gets, it, it, you've registered it. Now you can release it and you can hold your child's hand and you can do this with them. So you can mirror first and they say, let's sit with this for a second. Let's think about how our bodies are talking to us right now. This is what disappointment feels like. I can feel mine in my stomach. Where can you feel yours? Oh, mommy, I feel it in my chest or daddy. I feel it in my throat or I feel it everywhere in my whole body. And then say, okay, take a big breath with me because this is information. This is our body talking to us and we need to tell it that we understand this information, but it's actually not really dangerous information. It's upsetting. And it's sad, but it's not dangerous. It's not life-threatening. So let's register. You can walk through this with them and then you can release it. And you, if they're little, you can imagine, um, you know, the dandelion fluff that you take, you know, all of your worries about it and you blow on the dandelion and all the little seeds go flying. You can do some breathing. You can do some imagining, seeing them laughing with their friends and having a good time and making new friends and still having their old friends. Then you can move on into, um, you know, what they can look forward to about the year. And if they don't want to go there and they go right back to being sad, then do some more mirroring, right? It's going to be this empathic response, empathic failure. No, you don't get, no, that's never going to work. And then empathic, resp empathic response again. So you're going through that rhythm with them. And this is not a one-time thing. This is a lifetime thing. This is a skill. And remember, this is a skill that therapists use. Um, this is not a parenting skill. It's, it's a phenomenal <laughs> parenting skill and it's very powerful and very uh, reparative and strengthening, but don't get mad at yourself. You shouldn't know. Nobody's born knowing how to do this. So this is something, this is a practice. 
This is something that you're going to work on. So the takeaways are to feel your feelings, to refresh yourself on mirroring, to pan back the lens and really see how contrast and contours in life are really important. Apply that to your own life as well. Um, remember that we lead by example. So we can be using these techniques or talking about them out loud in front of our kids. And then they're like, wow, mom really knows how to deal with this. Or dad really knows how to deal with this. Don't run from your emotions and don't run from your child's emotions and don't run to fix it so quickly. You will end up having to fix things later and there'll be much bigger problems. These are the years um, to let your kids sort out and sift through all of that contrast, all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. And that really is uh, life in general and it, it's part of being a good parent and it's part of being human. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.